Studio with Patrick Olawa, of course, part of the uh, Digital Technopreneur podcast. We're, this is our first one. It's going to be really exciting. We're going to be as transparent and raw as possible because we know the people we're going to be, you know, um, watching this are going to um, really be starting from scratch. And this is definitely the idea of uh, Patrick here. You want to get into, um, you know, the kind of the origins of how you came up with doing this podcast and kind of what you want to get out of it? Yeah, I mean, the, the whole idea of this digital technopreneur podcast is it's so I had a blog, I, I wrote a blog. Uh, this was back in uh, end of uh, August, uh, yeah, end of August, uh, one of my last blogs from August. Um, I had just talked about, you know, side hustles and how to start, a, start up a side hustle and, and build a business and things like that. And one of my readers actually uh, sent me an email, uh, I mean, in comments with that regard saying how easy it is that most of the people that have, you know, they're a little bit successful now, they can talk about, you know, how to do something, but none of them are actually experiencing this from, from today's economy, you know, using the pandemic scenario and starting from scratch. And, you know, and she put out the challenge out there and, and he said, you know, what would be cool to see would be, you know, have some of these folks that, that like myself, writing up these blogs to actually do these things from scratch in today's economy. And so, I uh, thought about it and I said, "Hey, why not? Let's cool. let's take on the challenge." And uh, and that's that's really where this kind of birthed from in that, in that regards. And I know a lot of people saw your intro video. Um, please check that out if you haven't. But for the most part, like, where are you coming from as far as is this this space, this world? What made you want to touch into uh, the world of uh, dealing with people's pains and understanding where they you know where they're coming from as far as a young or upcoming uh, businessman or woman? So, so looking at this from that from that perspective, there's there are two components in, you know in my head to, to think about it is one because I, I remember you know that startup process of for myself kind of going through the startup process. But on the secondary though, it's really also to challenge myself through the process to to not use to go through something completely from scratch like this idea of podcasting. This is brand new to me. Um, going through. And building something with the only thing I have is just my knowledge, not using finances, not using an audience that already exists, just starting from scratch. So that way, I want to be able to relate to that person that is starting from scratch today, not me starting from scratch 10 years ago that I started, but starting from scratch today. And that's the that's really where, you know, the mindset kind of come, uh, came in on my end. I remember using a term uh, a while ago. I don't know if you remember this, but uh, it's inspecting what you expect. I don't know if you... Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so I yeah. like the fact that we get to, you know, use some of these phrases. They're still, I mean, extremely relevant today. Um, but as far as this, I mean, where's the passion coming from for this? What kind of people have you been working with that uh, gave you the inspiration to really do this? So more recently, um, you know, I've had, I've had an entrepreneurship uh, course for, for a bit, for I want to say a bit, maybe uh, about a year and a half, kind of been building up on the entrepreneurship program. And the most recent group of entrepreneurs that I've been working with, you know, these are individuals that have just come out the justice system and they've just been recently released. They know they are not getting any uh, jobs anytime soon. And so their best opportunity would be well to create it themselves. And so I've been sort of going through that process of creating it. And, you know, part of this podcast now is I want them to see that, you know, I'm not just teaching them, you know, like you said, inspect what you expect is I want to be able to have them inspect what I'm also doing. But at the same time, I'm, I'm taking them through my own journey as they're going through their journey of entrepreneurship for the first time. We're doing it sort of simultaneously together as a, as a core unit in a, in a sense, so to speak. So that's, yeah. that's the passion there. It doesn't get more scratched than justice system. <laughs> so, I mean, yeah. that's awesome that, I mean, this is your true, um, your control group to use a kind of a scientific word. Um, but as, as far as this group growing, uh, what are we going to be covering in this course? You know, what are people going to get from this? Um, what, you know, what are people going to find themselves doing while they're watching this podcast and, and getting themselves involved in and investing time? A lot of learning. Um, definitely a lot, of, a lot of learning. We're going to be, I'm going to be very open, very transparent. Um, you know, before, before we went off air last week, you know, I was talking to you about this and I was saying, you know, I jumped into this and that entrepreneur Jito has kind of kicked in again. And I'm asking myself, why in the world, why the heck did I decide I want to be able to actually do this? So it's going to be just completely real, completely open, um, a lot of learning, uh, me learning from, you know, the community at large, but also at the same time, the community learning from my mistakes and avoiding some of the mistakes that I'm already making because I'm also I'm essentially just one step ahead of what they're going to be doing so that, okay. that way they can see, okay, 
we've seen this step it works let's move forward if it doesn't work avoid it follow the other uh, yellow brick road you know in that in that in that sense and so that's a lot of learning is going to come out of this um out of this podcast that's that's the the core value that we want to be able to drive in i think that's huge as far as the mistakes that can happen um there's a lot of people talk about you know mentorship and things like that but sometimes it's just learning hey you know here's what the obstacles that you're going to face are ahead of you um, so I'm really excited to be a part of this uh, podcast and kind of see this uh, through. Um, as far as what we're going to be talking about today, though, we're going to get into um, digital product creation, which, um, well, why is this a subject that you really wanted to touch first? Digital product creation, it's, it's, it's cool. It's cool. It's a, a digital product creation. Is a, it's a really cool space to kind of dive into because when you go into, um, you know, one, my, I, I've, I've, made courses and, and systems and programs for, you know, on, on, as an entrepreneur for like the last, I want to say give or take eight plus years. And so I like that space of product creation and going through that. And I've done it with pharmaceutical companies all the way to even just for myself to pharmaceutical companies. I've, I've gone through product creation in that sense. And so going in from the digital side, it's, it's partially new for myself. To, to really evolve the, the, the digital space, you know, to evolve really strongly in the digital space. It's partially new. So it's, it's something that kind of helps me personally. But at the same time, it's something that I, I want to I wanna be able to show people that there is a shift that's happening right now. You know, being able to understand that one, we're in an informational space. Um, I, I like to say comfortably that no one has any original idea. No one in the world has any original idea. There's... 7 billion people in the world, no one has an original idea because whatever your idea is, someone's already thought about it. It's just a matter of who pushes it out the best or the fastest. Um, really, technically, that's where it comes out to. And so the digital marketing world or the digital space in general really allows you to collect, curate that information and then just kind of package it a lot more nicely to be able to be delivered to someone else. And that's really why for myself, that's why I like the digital this information and digital creation, content creation space that we're moving into right now. That's, that's, that's definitely it. That's, that's yeah. the one. <laughs> so as far as, um, break down just the basis, what exactly is a digital product? What's the difference between a digital product and maybe an uh, informational product? Okay. So let's, let, let me, I'll start with digital product because that's, that's, uh, that one is a lot more complex um, on the digital product side. And it's something that, you know, as we go into the next week and the week after, we're going to be diving into that part a lot more in depth. But the digital uh, product would be things like, um, you know, your, your uh, uh, media, your digital media. So uh, be it a YouTube, be it um, um, working with ads. That's uh, as far as digital marketing. That's the area where, where people think about Google, Facebook. Uh, that's the area people think about as far as the marketing side. The product side, though, digital products can be in the sense of affiliate marketing. You know, it could be you may not, let's say you don't have a product. You are never created a product, but you get to use a specific product a lot. Well, you can write a blog for that particular product. That blog itself is a digital product. You can make a video talking about your experience of, you know, a lot of times we, we go to different restaurants. And we eat out and we talk to friends like, oh my gosh, this was really good. Now, if you took that same idea of you going to different restaurants and you just made a blog about it, mm-hmm. that full blog becomes a digital product in itself. So a digital product is just, you're just taking information and you're making it readily accessible to people. So it doesn't necessarily have to be like, it's your information. It could also, or your product, sorry. It could just mean that you found something that you, you enjoy using, talking about, or, um, and, and you want to pass that over. And so that's where the digital product kind of comes in. Now, as far as the information product, the information product kind of goes in a lot more in depth. So digital product allows you to surface the, to, sorry, interface the digital market inside of it. Information products, now you're talking about how do you teach people that information? Like how do you, how do you take in years of your passive investments that you've made into yourself? And when I say passive investment, you know, it's, we spent, we spent five, 10, 15 years doing one thing or the other, doing maybe the same thing. It could be on the same job where you've been really good as a virtual assistant, for example, I'm just going to use virtual assistant, sure. you've been really good as a virtual assistant. And someone else is trying to get into the game of virtual assistant. 
the fact that you have done this for years, you are already an authority for that person who's just getting started. So an information product is now creating something that you now choose who the specific audience will be. That's where the information comes in is you're, you're kind of dissecting all of this thing that's out there and now you're crafting it, putting it into a, into a nice little package and now you're saying, okay, I'm making this packet for this specific group of people. Hmm. Like that's so, where the information product comes in. So let's kind of scale back because that's some good stuff right there. But uh, just the creation of all this is um, how do you even be- come up with the right idea? Like how do you start the brainstorming process of even coming up with uh, you know, a potential digital product or maybe just an idea that you just enjoy? Like what is the difference between you know, brainstorming a product and just brainstorming a good idea? The, the big difference I would say would be identifying the money skill. Hmm. So identifying a money skill is going to be, it's going to be a huge in that, in the sense of choosing what you want to be able to go after. You know, um, one of, one of the, I, I heard this from someone else from the, about, uh, on the digital marketing side, and I'm going to talk, it's relevant on the digital marketing as far as also relevant with the information product um, uh, creation side. The goal is sometimes you have passions, you have things that you're excited about. You know, I have, a, I have a friend of mine that we, we go out hiking a lot and, you know, and she is like this adventure mountain climber type person. And her knowledge base is all within that space. She loves it, but she hates the idea of, you know, um, she's not an entrepreneur mentally speaking. She's not thinking about things from an entrepreneurial standpoint. So being able to shift gears and, be, and, and look at that, that's where the change now starts. So we start looking at, one, what do you enjoy doing? So in her case, hiking, mountain climbing, and we take that, info, that, that mindset of what she loves. And now the secondary question is, do you enjoy, what do you enjoy doing with that? She likes taking pictures with it. Um, she may write maybe a sentence or two here and there, and that's, that's about it. So her creation process, there's, there's only three directions you're going to go with your creation. You're either going to go audio, uh, uh, video, or you're going to go written. That's, that's really the only three direction a digital product can will really drive in. And so in her case, because she's not big with the writing, she's not, um, she loves taking the pictures. We started marketing her with just the pictures. So she's taking pictures that uh, brands are using as part of their own advertising. So they don't want to go climb the mountain. She'll climb the mountain with their product and take a picture with their product on the mountain and sell it back to them. Makes sense. And so, so that's, that's that, that process for her. So you're basically saying regardless of your, your interest, um, your power basis can be pretty much anything. Yes, 100%. So the excuses are kind of, um, you know, I'm not saying excuses, but when people are coming up with, um, you know, hey, you know, I don't really have any skill sets. You know, I don't, have, I don't really have, um, you know, when they start brainstorming, they're like, I don't know if, you know, me liking uh, crayons is the best idea. Are you saying that even crayons could be the next, you know, a digital product? Absolutely. So it could be a digital product now. And that's where it kind of goes back to that money skill that I was trying uh, that I mentioned a little bit ago here is you can make money from anything. Legitimately, you can make money from anything. The question though is, will you make enough income to supplement or replace your existing income? And that's where the money skill comes in. So if you want to be able to drive that a little bit more forward, um, so let's say, let's say crayons. Let's say crayons, for example. <clears throat> Someone has an, a, they know all the different shades of like pens and colors and all that stuff. And that's something that they know very well. On one end, they could make money do, of, just based off of describing to new writers or new painters on how each spectrum of painting is different from each other. And, you know, then from a blog, they could, you know, potentially sell something from there. Now, where it becomes a money skill is when you now take that general information and then you drive it, you know, you kind of take it, you pull it, you narrow it down a little bit more. And now you go look, you see if there's a real market need, or first you want to find the people that's best for that product. And then you see if there's a real market need. If there are a bunch of people going into, like right now we're in a pandemic, there's a lot of people at home. And they're thinking to themselves, well, I need to do something different. And part of what they want to do maybe is draw something, you know, start up an art, you know, their own canvas. 
Well, if you make a course, for example, that is specific to first-time artists, now you've changed that general information that you were providing about a bunch of random colors to now saying, hey, here's how you create your very first artwork. This is how you go through from date one, from day one, the painting, uh, your canvas, the kind of oil you want to get. Don't spend money here, spend money here. Like when you start dialing it in for that specific people, now you've driven that idea or that skill that you have on understanding, you've driven it into an actual money skill because now you have your actual people. So your marketing message becomes significantly stronger now for those people. So let's talk about those people. Where do you, where do you find, where do you start? How do you know if um, what your idea or concept is, is even something you could, you know, give to the people? Like, where do you begin if, you know, someone who maybe has just come from the justice system or maybe just had, doesn't have the circle and just moved for some reason? How do you, where do you begin? Where do you start? Social media. Ah, so Social exactly how does that work? There's, I mean, uh, you know, let's, let's say 70% of people are now on social media. I'm just throwing that out there. I could mm -hmm. be off, be close. Let's call it 70%. It's a big world. <laughs> you know, it, uh, which medium do you use? Um, do I use, uh, do I just look, do I look up, let's say if I'm, let's pick something else besides crayons, let's pick um, coffee. You know, um, if I have coffee, you know, um, do I look for people who like coffee? Um, do I look for people I know, people I don't know? Uh, where do you start? Yeah, you, 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 you really want to get into, you know, one, regardless of the product or, you know, you want to kind of find out who are the people that actually use that product? One, when you know the people, you know, who, who use that product, then you want to, excuse me, you want to be able to now find out where those people hang out online. So there are a bunch of different social media platforms. So it could be Facebook. Um, you've got YouTubers, you've got um, Instagram, there's Pinterest. There's a bunch of different social media platforms out there. It's just the ones that we're familiar with. It's like the top three, uh, Facebook, Instagram, and uh, Twitter. But from there, you kind of start, you know, kind of dissecting that a little bit more to see, okay, where do most of those people usually hang out? Now, majority of the people you're going to find on Facebook because they're groups for pretty much everything. Mm -hmm. So it's just a matter of getting started with, you know, getting into those communities, you know, getting yourself into those Facebook groups to... Uh, as a, as a, as a, in two parts, as a way, one, you're as a surveillance process, but as a secondary, as a connection process, mm. because you want to start connecting to the people that are your ideal clients. You want to start connecting with them on, you know, someone like, I, I definitely like gravitating towards a, like a Facebook group. In the past, it used to be farms where, you know, you go into, you know, farms and there's a bunch of farms out there. Now it's like, you just go into a Facebook group and you have all those people there. Mm. And so, from there, you can validate your, your, what you're trying to sell. You know, you, if, you, if you have an actual physical product, you can, you can survey the community. You can ask them a question. And, and that's honestly, that's how I go through every time I need to kind of start something or work with, be it a brand that I'm uh, um, uh, cons uh, consulting for, we do the same thing. We find, yeah. those, we find that community, we get into the group of that community, and we just learn from the community. Uh, one of my business partners, because I am a digital product creator myself, um, and a lot of people, um, I won't say a lot of people, I would say people, including myself, um, I used to go in groups like this, uh, Facebook groups, Twitter groups, and I'd be like, oh, but I have, I have the idea. I have the one, you know, and I'm just like, you know, I, one of my uh, business partners used to tell me there's no such thing as competition, just inspiration. Yeah. So I was just, I always took that home. So when... You know, especially a lot of these, um, you know, these um, newer, you know, uh, you know, entrepreneurs, techno, techno entrepreneurs start to really get in that space. I just want to be mindful to um, those who are watching that it's okay to share ideas um, and that your idea right now may not be, you know, um, what your product ends up being. And I think that's something really important that it's going to be an evolution uh, process of your what becomes, you know, what we'll talk about later. And it's about minimal viable product. But mm -hmm. don't be afraid, um, if you guys are watching this, that, um, you know, your, your ideas or your market or your, you know, your special blend of coffee or your source is going to be the end-all break-all and to not share your ideas because you don't know what someone else has that can make that idea even better and stronger or someone who's been through that, that realm before. Um, yeah. So I just wanted to add that real quick. Um, yeah. But as far as like, 
you know, things like, um, you know, we went over Facebook, but Twitter is its own can of worms too. Um, Twitter is a, it's a, the best of times and the worst of times sometimes. <laughs> um, uh, let's go over it kind of real quick. I mean, are you avid Twitter user yourself or um, is that oh, your, yeah. I mean, what's your favorite personally? So, so, so I'm not a, I had a Twitter account that I created years ago. Uh, yeah. It's officially closed. I need to create a new Twitter, <laughs> a new Twitter. So yeah. I'm, not, I'm not on Twitter and I want to get back into the, into the, the Twitter world per se. And because of, you know, just learning from it and evolving with it. Uh, my general platform really has been um, Instagram for the longest. Um, Instagram has been where I've done a lot more of my, uh, my, my exposure as far as the social media. And Instagram and Facebook has been the two of them that I use. You know, Instagram gives me the personal side. Facebook gives me the business side. So that's sort of my, and then of course I've got LinkedIn to, you know, for, for company perspective, you know, to create that, that company perspective. And that's where, uh, LinkedIn kind of steps in for myself, but really. I mean, I like Instagram because it kind of puts home um, and it's really kind of funny. It's like, you know, when uh, there's a joke, when, uh, you know, guys don't read, it's like, Hey, let me show you a picture book. Maybe I'll read that. And I think that's kind of what Instagram is. Kind of <laughs> is. And I mean, that in the best of ways, I'm not trying to, you know, insult no, it, but it is, yeah. it truly is. It's yeah, look at the, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the picture. And to me, Twitter is like, oh, you don't want to read. So we'll keep it to like two sentences or less. <laughs> Maybe you'll read it. And I'm just like, these are what's working. And I'm like, uh, and, and I, I say this to say, you know, uh, you know, attention spans are really low nowadays, which yeah. um, people have to remember as far as digital products, as far as um, even informational products to make sure you're addressing, you know, this new medium that, you know, you pretty much got 30 seconds or less to really get out what you need to get out. Yeah. Um, a big thing with Twitter that I'll add on is um, the hashtags. Um, understanding your hashtags is very important and understand, you know, if it's, uh, let's say it's coffee or whatever you're, you're dealing with to make sure that the hashtags that are, you're using are ones that are um, with the market that is, is having the most um, hits with those hashtags. I mean, they honestly can make or break your business. If you're hashtagging, um, you know, let's say it's like coffee, um, coffee for, um, uh, let's say it's coffee for people who like black or, you know, whatever, sugar-free coffee that like, maybe that's the difference between you finding that group or not. Um, Twitter is its own can of worms. So just understand even with Insta um, that the power of the hashtags goes a long way. Um, we might, you know, do that maybe at a later date. Um, but getting back into um, power bases and, and social media and things like that, um, is it, you know, as far as is as you taking pictures, like do you use pictures yourself? Do you take your own pictures? Do you um, find pictures as far as your Insta, or what do you use for your medium? I use I use my own pictures. Um, so you I just have, use your own phone. Yeah, I just take my phone and as as simplified and as basic as it is, it, it works. Um, it yeah. truly it truly works. Um, we have now you know some of the the most technologically advanced tools as a cell phone. Right. And why not? You know, point I, is, I, right? Yeah. Do you think people get too complicated when it comes to uh, beginning in business, beginning a concept or beginning to even brand themselves as what they're trying to be? Oh yeah. Oh yeah. It very, very, very easily, very easily. Cause because we were, we're general over analyzers. Generally, generally, we overanalyze things. And so we want to appeal to every possible scenario. We want to make it like the perfect, the mm-hmm. unfortunate aspect that people don't understand or people tend not to pay attention to. They may understand it, just don't pay attention to it is building a business. It's, it's always going to be imperfect. You know, like you mentioned is don't be afraid to share your idea because when you go through that process, you know, Napoleon, Napoleon Hill mentioned this a long time ago, back in 1934 in his book, uh, Thinking Grow Rich, where he says there's a mastermind principle. The fact that you get to expose your mindset or your mind, your idea with someone else, that person may have some light bulb moment that you've been like trying to figure out for the longest and you say something and it clicks with what they were thinking and it registers right away with you and he's like, oh, holy moly, that's it. Like this, like this, this podcast in itself. You know, I remember we were just having, this was a general conversation that we were just having. I was like, oh, here's something that was, that came up. And, and in the middle of the conversation, we were like, dude, let's do it. Like you were the person I was looking for to work with. <laughs> That's awesome. 
No, I mean, just to share your idea, it's like before there was Google, there was Ask Jeeves, you know, and before <laughs> there was all types of little sites that, you know, we no longer use anymore, but are still, you know, really, really great ideas. But kind of going back, um, let's talk when it comes to um, knowing your circle and things like that. I mean, how do you reach out for resources, maybe on a tangible level, like on a local level? Like, how do you figure out, you know, hey, you know, I'm starting trying, let's go with clothes. I'm trying to start a shirt company. You know, where do I find resources on, on a level that I can use that I'm comfortable with that people kind of know me already? I mean, you want to, you want to definitely start off with, with the people that's around you. I, I generally say, um, you know, as you go through this business idea, uh, entrepreneurial creation, um, I, I like to look at things as uh, finding 10 people. You know, that's, that's really where you kind of start out with. You find 10 people in general. So inside of the 10 people, you have, you know, maybe one or two people that they're going to be on the mentorship side. Hmm? You've got people that, you know, they, they're going to be on the support side and they, they are connected. They, they know someone that knows someone. You know, you, we always have that friend like, oh, yeah, I know somebody that can do this. Oh, I know mm-hmm. someone that can do this. Like, mm-hmm. you want to find some of those people. You don't want to have one. You want to have a couple of those people around. And then you want to have your quote unquote beta testers. These are like your first people. These are the people that you know, if you sell them anything in the world, they would buy. Right. But they would only buy it after they know it's a valid thing that you're trying to sell to them. So you want to find those like, and it's, it's, it has to be the core. So you look at your core market that you want to serve. And then you find the people in that core market that's already in your circle. You want to find two or three of those people. And then at the very, 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 very last, but the most important aspect is you need a running mate. You always got to have a running mate. Huh? What do you mean by a running mate? So you need a running mate. A running mate is someone that is, is as you're going through the process, a lot of times you're going to need to vibe your ideas. You're going to need to like, you know, chop it up with someone else and say, hey, so here's what I'm thinking. What What do you think about this? But they have to be in the same mental space. In the same in the same movement as you're moving, so sometimes it's hard to find that person. It doesn't mean like they're going to be like you know business partners with you. No, um, you know for the longest in business, I have you know a, a, a spouse that I work with, and she has her own world, but that's my running mate. So it's someone that I get to like. Okay, here's what I'm thinking. Here's what I'm trying to execute, and. And then boom, boom, we, we, we run, I run through that idea, but that's who that person gets to be in that, in that scenario is you have to have that person that you can bounce off your ideas with because they will be as real with it and they'll tell you, okay, that's, that's, a, that's a good idea. Oh, man, that's a crappy idea. <laughs> Alan, <laughs> you mentioned something like it's for, so when you're in your situation, it's your spouse, um, but you talked about having the same mental space. Um, kind of uh, break down why that's very important when you're trying to bounce ideas off of the person you decide to be your running mate. So your, your running mate can be anyone, um, but the more important part of why that's, that's the reason why I, why I feel that's very, very important is in the process of entrepreneurship, it truly is a lonely road. It, it truly, truly is a lonely road. Um, you get to have a lot of people around you, but it's just, unfortunately, you cannot converse your ideas or what you're discussing with a lot of people because they may not understand exactly what you're trying to convey with them. And so having a running mate allows you to, at any point in time, you know, you get to have someone that you can bounce off your ideas with. You get to connect with them on that level of, Hey, here's what I'm doing. Here's what I'm trying to do. Uh, and, and kind of drive it out from that, from that standpoint. Uh, a great example would be, you know, having a, a friend of mine, uh, Wendy that does, uh, she does some things like, uh, with Facebook marketing and things like that. And I remember years ago, to, I want to say maybe two years ago, um, like this was actually last year. Actually, man, this year was too crazy. Uh, this was actually last year. And, and being able to go through the space of social media marketing and things like that, I've, I've never done that before. Um, I'm going to hire someone to come in and do it, but I know she does it. And she was not coming in to come work with me, but I needed to like, hey, here's what I'm thinking. I want to be able to try to do this. If I hired someone to do X, X Y, Z, A, B, C, is that a good idea to do that? And I get to vibe that with them. And so in that scenario, that's my running partner. And so for best, for a good part of uh, maybe six months before I tell my marketing person, 
you know, hey, here's what I want to do. Let's execute it. I, I, I vibe it out with her. I'm like, hey, so what do you think about this? Here's what I want to try to do. And she'll give me that feedback. I go, okay, this is cool. Tell them to do this, this instead. What would you do in a situation where you are, um, you know, in the new space of um, cultivating an idea and becoming a, uh, maybe a newer businessman or woman and the person that you are with isn't the most supportive? Like, how do you combat that situation and really keep your, your head on the, on the, you know, the, the focus path? Yeah. Keeping your head on the swivel. <laughs> yes. <laughs> All right. So with, with regards to that, the, the one thing I, I would easily say is if you have a, if you are in a relationship with someone, for example, um, a spouse, a boyfriend, a girlfriend, a husband, whatever the case may be, they are never always going to be in the same path as you are. And so you have to understand that you are both going on two separate paths and in the middle, in, inside of your path, there's going to be links that connect the two of you guys together, but you have to understand that both of you guys have to be on, will eventually be on this different path. Being able to understand that allows you to find the overlaps. And then now you get to find someone else that is on your exact trajectory. They don't have to be a spouse. They just have to be in on the right trajectory with you on that business path because it allows you to keep your sanity with your spouse because then you feel, you kind of get this feeling of, okay, this person is not supportive. They're not supportive because they don't understand it. It's not even in their mental space. So if it's not in a mental space, their support is never going to be positive for you. It's always going to hit negatively. So you want to understand that going in that, hey, I'm going to be doing this. They're going to be doing this. And we mutually respect that we're going to be doing two separate things. But I need to be able to have someone else to fill in that void. You can have one person can be the all in all person for you in that sense. I don't believe that. I believe that you have a spouse to complement what you do, but you have your friends, you have your family, you have the other areas to add on to make that full circle. I think I just went on a tangent there, but no, it's perfect. Yeah. You get that. You get the idea. Yeah. One thing you actually mentioned uh, was you making the actual statement um, and it's the statement of expectations. I think it's really important that um, um, you kind of cover that when you are getting in this space that you, there's no discovery process for the spouse or the family or whatever it is that um, you disclose exactly what's going on and basically what is, um, you know, giving them expectations of what they are to expect as far as you and what you're doing in the future. Can you kind of just touch on, on that about just being fully, um, giving full disclosure about yeah. all this? Yeah. I was asking you, uh, yeah, the, um, kind of go over full disclosure when you're talking about starting this process. Yeah, yeah, you do. You do want to. You do want to have the the open the open dialogue. Um, I, I see a lot of people that do this where it's they're doing something or they're trying to start something and their spouse doesn't have no idea what they're trying to do. And uh, family, you know, family that's that's a different conversation. But it's the person that you get to share every day with. They need to know what you're trying to get into because you don't necessarily need their business support, but mm -hmm. you need their emotional support. You need them to understand what you're trying to do because that journey of you being an entrepreneur, it is a lonely journey. But if they understand this from the beginning saying, hey, I'm, this is, I want to be able to create this podcast. Um, I have no idea what I'm doing right now. I'm just going to be going in this direction. I'm probably going to meet, connect with a bunch of people to help me do this. I just want you to understand if you, you know, if you see me like down and out, Help me bring me back up. Awesome. So yeah. let's get into some fun, uh, some more fun stuff. I was about to say funner, and that's not a word. <laughs> um, but hey, let, we got an idea, right? We have the idea that works. You know, we have a hey, we we figured out the the next best uh, the ne what they call the next best mousetrap or what have you, right? You right. came up with um, um, I don't know. I've made up probably fifty different businesses that flopped or did okay. You know, I still what I have my six and. You should see the other 50. They're not too good, but uh, great ideas, by the way. But, all right, you're all hyped up, right? You have the idea. Um, what's next? You came up with the, the newest, fanciest way to write down something with a pen. You know, what, what do you do now? Because uh, what I've noticed is you're going to get three things, right? You're going to be super hyped. Right. And you're just, um, you know, you're ready to conquer the world. You're ready to buy a whole bunch of uh, materials and accessories. You're about to get a 
business account, your, you know, your, you know, let's say your burden, you're like, oh, well, you know, I have this pen. It's amazing. But there's no way I can do all this because I'm about to be Amazon tomorrow. And then you got, <laughs> then you got regularly just hyped and excited. And, you know, but what, what's the difference between an idea that um, is really good and an idea that fits a power base that you um, kind of fit in? I'll, I'll just give an example. Uh, so I got all, a lot of the brands that I have, I don't actually tangibly work with anymore. I've passed them on. Um, I knew there's a better people for it and it didn't quite fit a power base and something that I could be passionate about for, you know, six months at a time. Mm-hmm. So how do you deal with, um, you know, the too hyped and the burden crowd crowd when they have an idea that they, Hey, so they say, Hey, I'm going to put my stamp on this. How do you deal with that excitement and cultivate it? I think, I think from the, from the beginning, it's all about validation though. It's, it's as you, as you go through it is being able to, um, to capture the validation from the beginning as you going, you know, going through it. So to use a more current scenario. So me taking on this challenge, I wanted to find out what exactly will be that, that skill set, that money idea that I want to be able to kind of run after. And so this is a perfect, this is a perfect question actually, because this is relevant to like last month. I just did this last month. Um, it's the same process I go through is you have this idea. You want to be able to know, okay, is it an idea that you get to like stay strong, hyped about it? Or is this something that eventually will become a burden for yourself? And I just, I always validate the idea. My goal is to validate the idea, see that it's something that would cost the least amount to get into. And so in this scenario, I joined with several uh, Facebook groups for entrepreneurs and just kept, you know, connecting with them, asking questions, surveying them. And then when I, when I found that, okay, there's a lot of entrepreneurs out there that are looking in regards to, you know, getting on the digital space. And I was like, okay, so we, we have a ground. We have a, we have a, a platform that we need to develop, which is, you know, working on the digital, stuff, digital space. And so I put in a survey into a group. And um, I, I learned this from someone else, and I'm trying to remember who I caught this on from, um, but he said that this was, uh, what is his name? I think this was Russell Brunson, who was a gentleman that I, I actually caught this idea from. Is hey, Richard Branson? Russell Brunson, actually. Oh, okay, just checking. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah, Richard Branson, that's my homie. I love that guy. You know who uh, <laughs> um, Russell Brunson, I, he mentioned that you want to kind of get in contact into a community you, you find out whatever that market size is. So for myself, I created this market size based on the community that I want to serve. And I said, a million people. I want to see how can I connect to a million people? Well, obviously, I don't have the connection to connect with a million people right now. But Facebook does. And so I joined several groups that the collective amount of people in that group was a total was a little over 1 million people. That's how I have my my market dialed in. So I start with that. And so now I want to validate this idea. And so I asked them a question. If you, if you had the opportunity to um, have a course created as a new course creator, if I could show you how to create your course from scratch online based on your passion, will you be interested in taking a course like that? 573 people said yes. That validated that, okay, you've got something. Then I ran another test to run a price point. What would be the price point marker that you feel like, you know, it will be comfortable for you to pay? It fell around $90, 90 to $100. People, a lot of, a lot more people within that same group felt more comfortable saying, yeah, $90 is good enough for me to pay to get a course that would get me results. And so with that, I already have my pricing for my course that I have not created. And I also now have an idea that is validated that I can now create. And so with that, going back to your question of when does it become something that you get hyped about? I was hyped about creating a course, but I wasn't sure if it was going to be a burden or not. I validated it. And so I'm like, okay, I can really be hyped about this. We've got a direction. We've got something we're going to be working on. But when I don't validate it, the problem with that is then I would go through the course creation. I would build this whole thing out. And then I realized I built it out for the wrong audience. Mm. Now it's a burden because it's no longer, it's not something that 
I didn't speak to the right audience to know exactly what they need to create. I just created something based on what I thought they need. That's where the separation comes in. And this is a big one uh, for me is I want you to touch on, um, Hey, when people make products and you know, whatever it is, ideas and concepts, um, I see this a lot of times and I am like, Hey, you know, what's your target market? And they say, everybody, everybody could like this. This is great. Idea. Oh, yeah. <laughs> everybody, this is perfect. Everybody likes it. Yeah. <laughs> so kind of, you know, touch on scalability. How important is scalability? And, and then go ahead and kind of go over, you know, what, how do you find that target market? That is like you were talking about more applicable for your specific product. So, so you want to find your target market. You want to niche down. I, I say, I, I always generally say niche down 5D. And so you start off with, yes, this is a product that's good for everybody. Yes, the whole world can use this. Of course, the whole world can use it. But really, though, which demographic of the world really, really needs this? Mm -hmm. Before you start diving into that, so let's say um, you have something. First, you go, you look at the outside portion of it. The whole world needs this. Everyone can use this. And then you dive one step lower. Then you say, okay, what exactly can you really, really offer consistently without fail? Because you can say, um, I know about coffee. Mm -hmm. Just kind of running with that. I know about coffee. And I want to be able to, you know, as far as everyone in the world can use coffee, definitely, except babies. But everyone can use coffee. You know, I love coffee. Coffee is awesome. Uh, but it's like, okay, but what, what can I offer about co- What about coffee am I excited about? Then it's like, oh, I like the, the smell of coffee. I actually drink coffee, not necessarily because I want to wake up. I just like the smell of it. So that smell of it helps me function, you know, really, really nice. So like the, I, I have a grinder in my house. So that way I can grind my own coffee or I go to a coffee shop. So that way I can get that fresh coffee smell. Mm. That helps me process things. So now I've just gone from everybody can use coffee to people who like coffee because of the smell of coffee. So now it's a different demographic of people because I relate to those people or that's who I want to connect with. So you find out everyone to, okay, who do you want to connect with? Then inside of those people you want to connect with, then now I can say, okay, which demographic of people do I want to connect with? Because there's a bunch of people that like coffee for, they go to coffee shops because they want to learn. They, they, I mean, they want to enjoy that, that coffee smell. But who exactly do I want to target? Okay, so let me down now, I can go towards my demographics now. I want millennials. You know, Gen Y, Gen X, those are the people I want to work with. I want to work with people from like their, their 28 to 55. That's the people that I want to specifically work with. Mm-hmm. That's three levels in now. Now I can take that further down. Now I can say I want to work with those Gen, Gen Y, Gen Z, millenn- Gen Y, Gen X, millennials. I want to be able to work with those that like entrepreneurs, uh, entrepreneurism. And those people now have gone four deep in, inside of that. That is where now I start getting to a lot more sweet spots. I had to start finding where do these people hang out that like coffee and like entrepreneurism. So I can, I, then I can start searching for that community. And with that, I can now create a product at the very tail end of it that says, okay, these are the people that I want to be able to kind of, so essentially you're just niching it, niching it, niching it, and just taking it down as further four to five as you can go in. Right. Yeah. I, you know, the term I've used um, a lot of times with my, uh, my digital marketer who kind of talks to me is you don't want to market with a machine gun. You want to market with a sniper rifle. Mm-hmm. So you consistently oh, okay. hit that target. I got some gems for you. <laughs> I can see you consistently <laughs> hit that target every time with precision. Um, a big thing I wanted to talk about too uh, is now that you scaled down, now you can have um, proper scalability. But just really quick, um, before we get into a little more scalability, you know, let's say um, people you know, really don't have that, uh, that, uh, that power friend, that power circle yet. Do you have availability if they want to choose you? Yeah, yeah. Can you go over, um, like, do you have your, your information that you're, you're sharing for, uh, for this podcast, uh, Solo? Um, that yeah, lets I mean, people... Definitely, definitely. uh, Anyone can connect with me on on Instagram. Easiest way to connect with myself. Um, I do all of my Instagramming. I don't have anyone doing it. Uh, So Facebook, same thing. But Instagram is generally the the nicer way to to connect with myself. I do get to um, uh, connect with people much more closely because that's the platform I use the most. So 
Uh, my Instagram is first name dot last name. So Patrick dot Olava. So P-A-T-R-I-C-K dot O-L-L-A-W-A. And that's it. Uh, so you search me on Instagram, you find me. And uh, that's, that's the, the easiest, uh, the must, the, the, the most effective way I would say to easily kind of uh, reach out to myself. So that way you get to see me, I get to see you. I want to be able to know who, you know, I, I like seeing people. And that's why I like the social platform in that sense. It's, I don't want, not just an email, but I want to see you as you see me and we connect that way. Transparency, transparency. And get into that. So now that you narrowed down, um, kind of going back into it, how important is scalability and not trying to have a concept and then all of a sudden buy all the world to uh, go ahead and cultivate that product? Because a lot of people, you know, including myself, I've done this too many times and, you know, um, I had a brand or something and all of a sudden I had business card and shirts and, and TV, uh, you know, TV bumper stickers the next day, <laughs> you know, and then, Let's just say I still have a lot of that stuff just hanging out at home. So uh, how, do you, how do you avoid that situation? And how important is scalability when you're trying to cultivate and develop um, an idea and concept? It's okay to start small. It really, it really is okay to start small. I am one of those people too. I made that, that scenario where it's, uh, I'd go out and I, you know, I get started. I'm like, oh, great idea. I'm going to buy this. I'm going to buy this. I'm going to buy this. Oh, wait, actually, you know what? I need a whole shirt. Actually, no, scratch that. I need, I need a banner for my car you know? <laughs> you know you start looking at you start looking at so many different things that you need to buy um and i call that the the uh i call it the uh the entrepreneur debt you know it's just a it's just a debt trap that we go into as entrepreneurs where we go away from the actual operation side of things and then we start going into the expense side of things we want to buy things for validation I always remember every day, every idea I came up with cost me $500. <laughs> I was just like, it's not, this isn't working for me. <laughs> but continue, continue. Because we, we, we do that, you know, we, it's, it's a natural, it's a natural entrepreneurship uh, type scenario. It's, it's not a just entrepreneurship. Like think about it, like even people that, that they're, they're saying, okay, I want to lose weight. First thing they do is they go on Amazon or they go to the store and they buy some weights They they buy some gym clothes they buy a bunch of new shoes and that instant gratification, it hits you. And so you're like, okay, so I've done it. You're, you're mentally thinking that you've already sort of accomplished it because you've just paid all of these things for it when you haven't actually done shit yet. Right, so right. It's being able to not go jump right in right away and just kind of, kind of start out basically executing one step at a time. See if you can have the business generate the income that you can cycle back into the business, you know, right away. And that you mentioned something about a, uh, a minimum viable product, uh, you know, earlier. And, and that's really, that's where you want to be able to drive into. So as you start looking at, okay, I've got this big grandiose idea. And this is the same process that I actually go through with, you know, the, the gentlemen's right now, the, the group of guys that I'm working with right now from the justice system is, you know, they have this massive idea, like, Oh, I want to create this. Like there's fires all over California. I want to stop it. I'm like, okay, cool, cool. I'm sure a lot of people have thought about wanting to stop the fire. But have you ever hosed the fire before? Have you ever even tried to even just, just knock out a, a regular small, you know, bush, brush fire? Not forget about the big one. So you have to kind of like, okay, let me go down to like the minimum viable product that I can create. Cover what a minimal viable product is real quick. So a minimum viable product for me, for example, is a podcast. You know, and what in what form is this a minimal viable product for this situation? So I'm working towards creating a digital platform into towards creating this digital product. You know, down the line, where it's we're going to be talking about course creation. We're going to be talking about different areas of digital marketing. But I need to start off somewhere. I know I don't have the because I'm doing this from scratch, so I can't use my existing community. I can't send an email to my net, uh, my newsletter list to say, hey. Here's this product that I'm putting out there. No, I can't do anything. I'm starting from scratch. So if I'm starting from scratch, then I have to build the community one that I want to be able to work with. But on the flip side of it, having a podcast, you know, to be as a minimum viable product, if I wanted to next week, contact a local business owner and say, hey, by the way, I've got a podcast. And um, I'd like to, I'd like to, you know, have, I would like to spawn, have you sponsor or, or advertise your company in our podcast. 
that in itself is a minimum viable product now that all I have to do is call someone else that already is looking for marketing and say, I have a podcast and I can, I can promote or sell their product if I wanted to into the podcast. And the podcast now generates an income that I can use now to do something even more. And so it's just being able to find that smallest minimum viable product that doesn't cost you much, almost anything, if any, to, to get started that can generate you income in a short period of time. I say, when I say short period of time, maybe 45 to 60 day period, mm-hmm. you can actually generate income. And, and that's what we're going to be documenting this process is to see, we're just getting started. This is day one of this, of this podcasting. And so ideally, before we get into the end of the year, before, before it hits December, we should have already generated some income to now show, okay, minimum viable product, check. We got some income coming in of some sort that people can see that process as we're going through it. Is that, if yeah, that's that, a big thing um, is not only that, but you're also going to get tons of feedback from this. And that's really important when it comes to minimal, having a minimal viable product. Feedback is just as important as, yes. as what Patrick just covered. Um, so a big thing when it comes to having a minimal viable product, is is now we want to start understanding what your market approach is, and um, not only your market approach, but your internal operations as far as, and that's why having a minimal pri- viable product should take into all account um, things like um, uh, cost, efficiency, uh, mediums, your feedback, and sharing and word of mouth. I think all that is um, the biggest things you need to look for um, when having a minimal viable product, and determining what you're going to do as far as so. I mean with with this medium, let's say this podcast, you know, like you just said, you can bring it to certain people. You have a product that works and it doesn't cost you a ton of money. That is a great minimal viable products. But let's say someone's talking about fires. If you're not accounting for cost efficiency, a medium's feedback and word of mouth, you're putting out large fires, right? And it's like, okay, how much is this going to cost? <laughs> you know, can I do this? Who am I going to use? Now, and, and that's why scalability, I believe, is so important because it allows you to scale back. And, you know, like, just like I, I, I tell people all the time, Amazon started off selling books. Mm-hmm. That's it. So books <laughs> right there. They were not Amazon that we know and love today. They were selling books in some guy's house. And then they changed their, uh, their internal operations. And now because they clean that up so efficiently, we're allowed to incorporate more businesses. But... Um, as far as internal operations, and that kind of goes back to scalability, is how important is understanding the efficiency and cost of your internal operations to be able to justify your minimal viable product? I know it's a large question. I can break that down. I mean, being able to justify, just so I can make sure, looking at like justifying the cost, right? Yeah. I mean, having an, uh, your internal operations may not justify the cost that, you know, you have, let's say, um, you know, for your situation, uh, let's say um, the, the market told you $90 is fine, but, you know, let's say your internal cost and um, the internal operations necessary to produce, I'm not, and I'm not just talking about your situation, like, yeah. you know, let's say whatever it cost that person was, you know, it $120 justified it. So how do you, um, you know, how do you, um, yeah. how do you justify and how do you come up with the internal operations before you start narrowing down a minimal viable product? So, so looking at that, you know, so let's say you've, you've got some idea, you've crossed that bridge, you've validated it, you, you're now at the point where pricing is just being, pricing is that one thing that it hurts everyone. Uh, even myself, it hurts every, every entrepreneur as they're going through the process, being able to price things right. And the way, I, the way I look at the justification process is that I want to be able to see that, one, am I putting, out a, am I putting good, giving good value? Mm-hmm. You know, that's the, that's the primary that I start out with is am I giving out good, good value? And so if I'm giving out great value, I'm going to start out from the get-go with the let me put out my very best product out there. That's the starting point that I go with. And then based on what the market is willing to pay, mm-hmm. I can take that best product and I, can, I don't have to dilute it. I just have to chop it up into different levels of it. So that way, the market that's willing to pay the low amounts, they get 
they're not getting, you know, um, a diluted version. No, they're just getting a portion of this. You know, you, it's like, think about it like you, you're buying a car. There's a stock, there's a, you know, the, the, the stock version of the car. And then you're like, okay, you want to add navigation. Now every car comes with navigation. But, you know, think about it like back in the day, back in the day. <laughs> you add navigation. Um, you add, you know, the rev you, you know, cameras. You, you get some rims on it. Uh, you, you start looking at all this addition that now creates this exceptional car that you want to have. But it's some people may not be able to afford that right away. So you just, you create the best product out the gate and you allow them to take a portion of it out. And so inside of that, I, I generally kind of look at it as when you, when you justifying your costs, your goal really ne- isn't necessarily to, um, at least for myself, when I look at it, I, I, I look at it not necessarily from the, I want to justify the cost, but I want to see how can I increase my average cart value? That's more of where I focus on is my average cart value. So I know that I can, I'm, I'm creating a great product for, for the end user, but it's broken down into, so into chunks. So that way, if someone wants to start off small, they start off small and they take the bite sizes based on where they're financially ready to, to consume. And that allows them to increase that cart value. So they may start off here. It's, it could be an upsell, but they're just getting different components added on a la carte, so to speak, as they're going towards that end goal. So that's, that's, I don't know if that answers the question per se, but that's how I sort of look at validating my, uh, the cost per, uh, you know, the, the need, what I, what I think it's going to cost, what I think it's worth, mm-hmm. this is what I think someone else is going to pay for it. That's, that's, that's kind of nails the, um, the subject. Um, yeah. A big thing I want to add with your internal operations, just things to consider for the audience is um, not only just the um, handling orders, how are you going to handle orders? Who's going to handle them? Um, your cost uh, handling returns. Can you handle them? Handling logistics and client retention and feedback, especially on the, uh, when you first start going, those are huge things to consider and don't overlook them because you might lose your best you know, your best five company, uh, customers are going to be the ones that make or break literally your business because they'll be your biggest fans. They're going to push you. They're going to talk to everyone, every, every body about them. And those, those best five super fans could, like I said, make or break your business. But, and, and going again to what you're talking about and you, you hit it pretty well is, um, you know, um, is having, you know, not only like, uh, portions of, of, of your product, but I'm going to use McDonald's for instance, and a trick that they use and not like a trick, but it's, it's just more psychological is, you know, they'll have a small, medium, large drink, right? Or a small, medium, large fry. What they do with their prices is the difference between small and medium is traditionally fairly large. The difference between medium and large is not very big at all. So what does that, you know, help the client do? When the client looks at the medium, they're like, oh, but it's only 20 cents more for a large. <laughs> we might as well get the large. This is the game that, you know, this is the game we play. So, um, you know, as you guys are watching, they just kind of pick up things that you're seeing. And a big thing um, my marketer tells me to do is he says, stop being a consumer. Mm. You're not a consumer. <clears throat> you are now a business person. You're an investor. You're, con- you're consistently taking in information. But also not being consumer has to do with your lifestyle as well. If you're constantly consuming everyone else's products, what are you doing for your own? So a couple of things that he tells me a bunch, um, but kind of getting into it, uh, I know we're about to kind of wrap up, you know, before we get into next week's podcast covering the information, um, informational product is um, just kind of recapping. Uh, what do you want people to take away from digital, um, you know, having digital products as far as what do you, what is your things that you want to uh, kind of hamper on to to have and what to avoid when you're doing product creation and really getting into starting the cultivation of a product and idea? I mean, with with um, I'd say with with the the digital world, the digital or informational process as you as you're going through it, really. The main, the main success, the main driving success is truly invalidating what you have. You know, there, there is, back in the day, they used to be called focus groups. Before any major company would create any product, 
they have to go find a focus group to test it on to see, okay, this idea that we're working, does it, does it truly work? Before they now go into this massive mass production of a physical product, the same idea works in the digital space is before you go out there and like start spending a bunch of money and trying to create this or a bunch of time because it's more digital, before spending a bunch of time, test it out, find out, ask questions, talk to people, find out, validate that idea first to see, is it worth you investing the time and money into it before you drive into it? Validate it. That's like, if there's ever anything that I would, I did wrong that I want to correct in the past was I had so many ideas that I did not validate before I, go, I went into production. And then I was like, man, that was, <laughs> that was a bad idea. <laughs> it wasn't a bad idea. It just, it was a bad execution because it was never validated. Yeah, it, 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 that hits home because um, some of my best marketing buddies, they tell me that they try to prove their idea wrong every day for a good month to six months before they actually launch. And to be honest, it is harsh to do that to your own brand because everyone thinks their ideas are their baby and yeah. are the best things ever. But if you can, you know, not if you could try to prove your brand wrong for at least, let's call it even three weeks to like, let's say a month mm-hmm. and you can justify continuing to do it, like Patrick said, in validation, I think you got something, right? Is that fair? Oh, yeah. No, definitely. Definitely. More than fair. More than fair. You know, yeah. 45 days generally would give you a solid validation timeline. Um, you know, with the digital world, what's nice about it is I believe you can, with the right audience, um, audience group, you, you will be able to execute that process much faster. So like myself, you know, being able to go through and, and ask the question that took me about two weeks to get into a community, learn about what the community discussions are about, and then know how to plug in my questions. So it fits within the community dynamics that already exist. And so that took about two weeks to like, just consume the community's uh, information and then know, Oh, okay. So this is how they ask the questions, you know, because using that as an example, I remember the, the first three, first two questions that I asked, in the community, no one answered to it. I was like, guys, what's, what's going on here? I see all these comments. <laughs> you know, everyone's, everyone's stuff like, is going well, on. Like, there's all these likes and comments. <laughs> and, and I look at my comments, I look at my question, I'm like, man, this is crickets. Like, no one is responding to this. And that's because I jumped in and the first day I asked questions without even understanding the dynamics of the community, understanding how they think, understanding how they interact, and I just jumped right in. I was like, hey, I'm, I need to test question. question. <laughs> <laughs> I got question. Who in here will be open? No one answered. <laughs> and so then, kind of hovering on Power Community and what you're doing with this, um, can you kind of just rehash on the mission here and just the community you're trying to build with this podcast and uh, what you're doing with this, uh, just this whole brand? Yeah, so so the, the idea with this community here is I, I want it to be fluid. I want it to be a place where one, it's for, for the entrepreneurs, it's for people that are looking to build, you know, build on a digital side, on the online world, um, not just builders, but also creators. You know, creators can come in a lot of different ways. And so that's what this community is for. It's to be able to help people start building themselves and long-term also building a brand. But having a community that you can vibe your questions with, like, you're going through you're going through the scenario like okay has anyone ever started like if I if I wish someone there was a community that I can go into and I say hey by the way I was in another community and I asked a question and no one answered what am I doing wrong you know so that's where I want this community to be for you know so that way those questions that you have as it relates to the your growth in on, on your digital growth space your digital technopreneurial growth I want it to be answered from the group I want the group to be the collective that answers the question. It's not me. It's not you. It's the group. It's the community that really will be the, the, the core focus into it in itself. Yeah. And then again, let people know, you know, especially this is, you know, we, we plan on this being shared. Where can they find this community? Where can they join? Where can they link up with the community and yourself? So right now um, they can definitely connect on Facebook. Just we're the only one on Facebook. If you just type in um, Technopreneur, I think we're maybe there's only like two people that have the name Technopreneur. So if you type in digital, we're number one on Facebook, baby, number one. <laughs> <laughs> we're holding the ground. 
<laughs> you just type in digital technopreneur, it will pop up right there. So it's the the digital technopreneur uh, community. And that's really the community where we're going to be at. So definitely feel free to get connected with us um, on there. Um, it's brand new. So there's probably only like, there's a handful of people, like five, six people that we just opened. It's a group that just started. Again, this is day one. This is the first one. Yes. So we just open it up. So yes, it's open for people to just hop in and connect. Right. So next week we're going to be going over uh, informational products. Um, we're excited. I'm excited. I think uh, this was really informative. This is some stuff I honestly wish I had in my uh, my bank when um you know I was trying to cash in them products too. <laughs> so, but uh, any basking notes before we wrap up the crowd in our our first podcast, Patrick? Uh no. Andy O, my man. <laughs> well, from not only Andy, myself, and Patrick Alawa, this is the De- Digital Technopreneur Podcast, episode one. Um, please, if you have any feedback, you want to see certain topics, um, as we're going through this, uh, there's certain things I want to now cover for the podcast. Maybe we'll show you the tools, some of the things we use that are kind of uh, just little sneak tools that a lot of people don't know about that helps you with your brand and stuff like that. So, um, you know, if you have any questions, let us know. Give us feedback and just continue to work, continue to grind and just continue to believe in yourself, guys. So um, let, uh, let us know in the comments. Like I said, if you have any questions, we'll try to be as responsive as we can with not only the community, but with uh, everyone who just has some details for the show. But from Patrick Alawa and myself, Andy O, uh, take care and enjoy the rest of your week, guys. All right. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.